The scripture reading for tonight is from Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be compared to ten maidens who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those maidens rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, Perhaps there will not be enough for us and for you. Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other maidens came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither day nor the hour. The word of the Lord. Before Judd Apatow, there was John Hughes. And before John Hughes, there was apparently the author of the Gospel of Matthew. This parable of wise and foolish bridesmaids has the same predictable characters and casual disregard for coherent plot points as any mean girl movie. The only difference, slight difference between um, those and Matthew's is that Matthew's author puts this story in Jesus' mouth and starts it with, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. The premise of this story is that there's this group of bridesmaids is sent out uh, to welcome the groom to the wedding banquet as he arrives, lighting his way with their lamps. Bridesmaids here could also be translated as virgins or young girls, so, I mean, don't think Kristen Wiig or Melissa McCarthy. The girls predictably break into two groups. The clever, pretty children of privilege and the stupid, plain children of working-class single parents. The bridegroom is delayed and they all become drowsy and fall asleep. Then at midnight there's this shout, Look, here's the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. The shouter is not identified. Uh, and uh, we don't know who it is. Maybe he's the one that sent the girls out to meet the groom in the first place. So the girls all jump up and straighten their dresses, and as they do, the clever, pretty, rich girls roll their eyes at the hand-me-down frocks the stupid, plain girls' mothers had to take in or let out so they would fit. And if they weren't feeling enough shame already, the stupid, plain girls realize their lamps are going out. They don't have any extra oil. So screwing up all the courage they can muster, they ask the clever, pretty, rich girls for a little oil. Just a little so their lamps won't go out. No, we need our oil, they reply. If we give you some, there might not be enough for us 
You're just going to have to go buy some for yourself. It's always a fun part of any of these sort of movies, right? When the sympathetic uh, loser characters are driven off by the mean, cool kids and have to make their way scared and naive through the rough part of town late at night in a quest for something. But that's always a little bit unrealistic, right? As this is. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And the same thing with this parable. Like, how far away is this bridegroom? Really? I mean, he must be in sight. They saw him. They said, come out, he's coming. And really, how much extra oil are they going to need? Clearly, the smart girls could have given them some oil. They were just being mean. And are we supposed to believe that there is some kind of all-night lamp oil shop that they can go to? And even if there was, do these girls have any cash on them, any pocket money? Are you kidding? Their moms hold down two jobs and still can't make ends meet. And where are the other adults in this story? I mean, maybe there could be some other adults around, right? Some adults could help these girls out. I mean, what about the man who was shouting for them to go meet the bridegroom? I mean, they're just kids for heaven's sake. It seems like there's a lot of expectations placed on these girls. It seems like they maybe likely have not... Been, it hasn't been completely explained to them, or they have not been properly prepared. These young girls are on their own. I mean, do you think they purposefully did not bring enough oil? Do you think they have any extra oil? They don't have money for extra oil. Those smart, pretty rich girls, they have all the oil they're ever going to need. They have plenty of oil. Their parents set up their lamps for them, filled them before they left, made sure they had extra oil, gave them new outfits for the occasion, and showed them the proper way a young lady greets the bridegroom. Not so with the plain girls. So, of course, the bridegroom comes, and the smart, pretty, rich girls meet him and escort him to the banquet, and they all go in, and it's all quite lovely, and they shut the door. Finally, the stupid playing girls get back, hair in disarray, dirt smudged on their faces from their misadventures. And who knows if they even got any oil. But it doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter now. They are just relieved to have finally made it back to the wedding banquet. They knock on the door. Lord, Lord, we're here. Please open up. But he replies, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. And then the narrator concludes, Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. What? Matthew's author intends this to be another parable about being prepared for and attentive to the coming of the kingdom of heaven. But it inadvertently, or not, I don't know, communicates the, this message that seems to be contrary to the heart of the whole gospel. These poor, underprivileged girls, with no one giving them any help, knock on the door and the Lord tells them, Truly, I do not know you? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You know them. They are the rest of the girls that you sent out to meet the bridegroom. You know, the missing ones, the ones who did not show up with the bridegroom, who were out all night alone. And then after this, the author tells us these girls were not let into the wedding banquet. To keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Um, we just all heard the story. 
You do too know the day. You know what the day is. That is why everybody is at the wedding banquet. It's the wedding day. You know that everybody knows it because you told them. You know the day. And you do know the hour. That is why you sent those girls out to meet the bridegroom. Because it was time. It was the hour. Sure, he's a little late. But to say you don't know the day nor the hour is not make any sense. Finally, the implication is that the stupid playing disadvantaged girls didn't get into the banquet because they did not stay awake. In the same way, we won't get into the kingdom of heaven if we are not prepared and attentive when the kingdom comes, if we don't stay awake. But all the girls fell asleep. All the girls fell asleep. None of the girls stayed away. The smart, pretty children of privilege fell asleep too. They just had all the advantages, material and otherwise, to overcome that error. The other girls, they, they don't have the resources or, I mean, they have nothing. They didn't have the resources and because of that they were judged and excluded. It didn't matter whether the children of privilege stayed awake or took a nap. They're always going to get in anyway. So the kingdom of heaven will be like, what? The kingdom of heaven will be a place where the privileged can gain access because they can afford it, because they have the time. I mean, they're not going to be working on the Sunday that the Lord comes back. I mean, I assume it's probably going to be a Sunday. When the Lord comes back and he ushers in this kingdom of heaven, they will get in because they can buy whatever they need to prepare for, or at least to appear prepared. They won't look like they just woke up. The Lord will be so happy to see him, he won't even miss the rest of the stupid people. Those people so stupid enough not to make enough money or get enough money from their parents. I mean, really. The kingdom of heaven will be a place where power and privilege, where wealth is equated with virtue and righteousness. Are you kidding me? We already have a place like that. That cannot be the kingdom of heaven. If it is, I don't want it. I'm not going. But I, I'm probably not going to get in anyway, right? I'm going to be standing outside the door, you know, with most everybody else in the world, just knocking and knocking, hearing the Lord deny he ever even knew us. Wait a minute. That is not how the whole knocking on the door thing is supposed to go. I mean, in the first part of the gospel, Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount tells the crowd, ask and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door shall be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door is opened. Is there any among you who, if your child asks for bread, would give them a stone? It continues. Or if the child asks for a fish, you will give them a snake? If you then know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? Where's the knock and the door shall be open part? This can't be right. This parable can't 
be that guy behind the door in the parable. That can't be Jesus. Jesus is going to open the door. The man who sends the girls away, that can't be God. That whole world where power, privilege, and wealth pass as righteousness, that cannot be the kingdom of heaven. That world is a nightmare world. That kingdom of heaven cannot be, the kingdom of heaven cannot be dependent on anything that we do or anything we have. We are not gathered into God's full presence based on our own rightness. We are gathered into God's full presence through the mercy of God, through the momentum of love from creation rippling out through history to the present, to this moment, and into the infinite future. That mercy, that love, is transforming. And the mercy and love of God, born by and through Jesus the Christ, can't be something that's held off. Can't be some future kind of promise. Like, why would you wait if you had that to offer? These girls, they're still asleep. These girls fell asleep. They never woke up. They're dreaming. They're dreaming that the world has not been transformed. They're dreaming that this us versus them, this privilege equals rightness, and the disadvantages just keep mounting for those with little. They're sleepwalking. They're sleepwalking through this world that does not have the same values as the kingdom. Like maybe we're all sleepwalking. Maybe the kingdom of heaven is all around us now. That grace and mercy is there, right there, for all of us. And that we can open our eyes. That we can wake up and live out that mercy and love now. We can make decisions. We can be in relationships. All this... We can be in relationship and with power and critique power. We can go from everyone inside that kingdom of God that's presence all around us now. These girls are living a nightmare. They need to wake up.